Welcome to the Modern Law Library podcast. I'm your host, the ABA Journal's Lee Rawls, and today I'm joined by James R. Silkenet. He is one of the editors of the book, Building the Rule of Law, Firsthand Accounts from a 30-Year Global Campaign. Jim, thanks so much for joining us. Lee, thanks for including me. So I want to start us off with a little time warp. The year is 1989, and you are the chair of the Section of International Law. In November of 89, of course, November 9th, the Berlin Wall falls. This is one of my earlier memories, one of the first times that I can remember seeing my father, who was a history major and an attorney himself, cry was watching the footage of the Berlin Wall coming down. And I remember him telling me, you know, honey, this is this is so major for the world uh, and that the Cold War could be over. So I want to hear from you. It's 1989. You are the chair of the section of international law at the ABA. What was your reaction? What was happening at the association as we watched the Soviet Union begin to collapse? Lee, I think your father may have been more in tune with the world than I might have been at that time. I was actively engaged in trying to manage the section's operations, working uh, in my you know, job at a, at a law firm, and you know, just getting through day to day. I'm not sure I appreciated at the time how momentous this was. Uh, but fortunately, Sandy Dallenbert, as ABA president-elect at that time, did recognize the changing nature of life, uh, frankly, at, at that point, and what this would mean for people in the United States and around the world. So his recognition of this, well, what winds up being an opportunity, uh, w- was really momentous. He came to the uh, ABA international section and my chair-elect of the section, Homer Moyer, to develop a project uh, to reach out to the countries in Central and Eastern Europe and what then led to uh, the the countries that came out of the former Soviet Union. Uh, That's how it started. And when we say how it started, what we're talking about is, first, something you're going to hear us use the acronym SEALI. This is the Central and East European Law Initiative. And this was developed as the ABA's response to this challenge. How do you take countries who had been united um, in this communist uh, system and introduce them to what we consider uh, the rule of law and help them put in place structures? And uh, Jim, I think we can say today, uh, you know, as we are watching what's going on in Ukraine, um, but also in areas like Hungary or Poland. There were some mixed results, but there also were some real triumphs. And what people today might be more familiar with is another acronym, ROLI, which is our ABA Rule of Law Initiative. Could you tell people a little bit about what the ABA is involved with when it comes to promoting the rule of law internationally today? Celia, as you mentioned, was was our first effort to look at, at uh, rule of law issues uh, in a particular region. That wound up getting such a positive response from both countries in that region and from Amer- American lawyers willing to volunteer to 
work on projects there uh, that we expanded. First, we set up independent rule of law initiatives with regard to Asia, uh, Latin America, which I chaired at the beginning, Africa, and then um, uh, the Middle East. And after a few years, seeing how those individual uh, units operated, we saw some advantages in bringing them together under one umbrella, one central organization, uh, ROLI, the Rule of Law, ABA Rule of Law Initiative, which is now operating in, or has operated in more than 100 countries, uh, with people on the ground in 50 of them at the moment. Um, and it is now chaired by uh, Justice Breyer, uh, who has long been involved in uh, different aspects of uh, Rowley's operations and its meetings around the world. Because this is an ABA initiative and the ABA is a membership organization, it is not only, you know, employees, staff members of the Rule of Law Initiative, so much of the work that has been done in these hundred countries has been done by volunteers. And so one great thing about this book, Building the Rule of Law, is we get to hear directly from these volunteers. And it is people who have been involved over this 30-year time span. It is a tremendous document, in addition to being a very lovely hardcover book. Uh, I'm being very genuine here. This is published by the ABA, full disclosure. It is filled with color photographs that people took um, when they journeyed to many of these countries to participate, to help. It is filled with firsthand accounts, primary documents, really, from the kind of efforts that have been going on around the world. So it to me, is a triumph all on its own that this book was, you know, gathered together. It's it's more than 400 pages. And here I'd like to talk to you because you were the editor. How did the book itself get started? And here I, I think I want to bring up a man who sadly is no longer with us named Patrick Del Duca. The idea for the book uh, was Patrick's, a well-known international lawyer, long involved in many uh, ABA activities, uh, the international law section, uh, and, and Rowley, uh, his idea. I was then asked by Rowley to uh, be a co-editor with Patrick. Uh, and then with uh, Patrick's passing, the international section reached out to uh, Jerry Libby, another former chair of the section, uh, to be the co-editor with me. And we worked on it uh, with Homer Moyer, who I mentioned, um, <clears throat> who was chair of the section, actually, between Jerry and me uh, in, ter in terms of timing. So the three of us worked on the book, developed the structure of it, really telling a variety of stories. First, about how the rule of law, I was going to say industry, the rule of law focus internationally began with, with Seeley. Uh, and then tell the stories of the individual lawyers and judges who worked on uh, Seely and Rowley projects around the world. Um, and then also to tell the story of what comes next for uh, rule of law work. How do we capitalize on the progress that have been made in a number of countries? How do we get folks to focus on uh, the problems that still exist? And frankly, exists still in the United States. The focus of Rowley, obviously, is internationally, but um, 
all of that is informed by uh, the rule of law issues that we deal with here at home as well. And I'm going to admit, I was surprised to hear you say that, you know, in 1989 and 90, when you were the chair of the international law section, you didn't feel like you were really clued in to um, the area of the rule of law. And I think this would be a good time to uh, pause really quickly and explain the difference between rule of law and what is called in, in the introduction rule by law, because I think that some lawyers even um, don't really know what we mean when we talk about rule of law. Uh, and you know, does that just mean that there is a court system, that there is a, a police system in a country? There is a, an enormous difference between the rule of law and rule by law, which is probably what you had in South Africa uh, under apartheid. Uh, rule of law is a term that is is starting to be misused in some cases uh, internationally now, uh, just because it 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 has the the topic has become so important. The definition of rule of law that I found most attractive uh, came out of another rule of law activity of the ABA, and that is the World Justice Project, which started when Bill Newcomb was president of the American Bar Association and has since become an independent entity. But the World Justice Project's definition of the rule of law focuses on accountability, on just laws, on open government, and on accessible and impartial dispute resolution or courts. Those four elements, I think, are are really central to, to, you know, what we mean and should mean uh, by the rule of law. And I have been fortunate enough to speak to Bill Newcomb, I don't believe for this podcast, but in, in reporting stories. And one thing that the World Justice Project does, and you continue to be involved with the World Justice Project, as, as far as I know, is they do perform an annual survey. And you brought up that in the United States, we have had concerns about, is the rule of law in the United States thriving? Is it decreasing? You know, what is what is the state of affairs? And the World Justice Project puts forth this survey every year that does include the United States. So I'd love to hear more about the World Justice Project work you've been in, involved in. Have you had concerns about the strength of the rule of law in the United States, for example? The World Justice Project publishes annually the Rule of Law Index, which now covers, I think, 141 countries and evaluates each of them on a long list of factors focusing on on our four-part definition of the rule of law, probably 50 or so different factors, and then ranks those 141 countries on a general ranking scale, one through 141, but also then regionally and uh, comparing countries at the same level of economic development so that you're not comparing, you know, Zimbabwe with Denmark. But we found that the index itself is a wonderful tool to promote strengthening the rule of law. Governments are interested in how they score, interested in how, you know, international business evaluates uh, their country on a range of rule of law issues. The United States, which when we started Sealy and then Rowley, was was clearly the gold standard for, for what you know, a country should be in terms of rule of law issues may have fallen or has fallen over those 30 years, particularly in the last 
five or six, although the last year or two we've we started to bounce back. But the uh, ABA, um, or sorry, the, the United States, I guess, ranks about 13th or 15th overall, but scores very po- poorly on uh, issues like uh, access to justice, uh, affordability of uh, legal advice, criminal justice issues. So we, we have improvements that we need to make here. Um, as we point out, uh, problems that other countries uh Uh, on which they need to improve as well. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our advertisers, and when we return, I'll still be speaking with Jim Silkenat. Filing court documents, serving legal papers, collecting electronic signatures, all critical parts of the litigation process, yet ones that are time-consuming and error-prone. But what if you could do more straight from your case or document management software? InfoTrack automates data entry, document selection, tracking, and information syncing across all these core tasks and more by integrating with your core systems like Clio, Smokeball, Leap, MyCase, and others. Spend more time on substantive legal work and less time on busy work. Learn how simple it can be at infotrack.com simple. Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at staffy.cc. That's S-T-A-F-I dot C-C and get $500 off with code HAPPY24. Welcome back to the Modern Law Library. I'm here speaking with Jim Silkenet, one of the editors of Building the Rule of Law, firsthand accounts from a 30-year global campaign. So I did mention that there are full-color illustrations in this book. And when we were speaking before our recording started, you said, oh, even some of my photos are in here. Uh, As the editor, can you talk about how you went about illustrating this book and what are the kinds of pictures you received from the many, many contributors? This was one of the most uh, fun parts of preparing the book. As you mentioned, it is quite lengthy, more more than uh, longer than 500 pages, but we were able to include several hundred photographs taken during this, the 30 year history here. The ones that I uh, can remember taking myself, and there are only a limited number of those in the book, One was a meeting that we had with uh, Gorbachev in the Soviet Union just as it was breaking up. Uh, Another was uh, during that same trip to Moscow uh, with me with, I guess, a dozen corporate general counsels from the United States at the the grand opening of the first Pizza Hut in Moscow (laughs) Uh, with the staff there uh, being frightened to death because we had the general counsel of the company that owned Pizza Hut, and we were offered Moscow River Fish Pizza, uh, which we Ooh. declined. Yeah, I think you may still be with us today because you declined <laughs> that. <laughs> the other photos were compiled by Homer, Moyer, and the other chapter authors in the book. So we, we have a, a, a wide variety of things, including uh, photos of uh, Sealy volunteers or staff in extreme danger situations, some of them, 
uh, some very funny situations that happened during the course of, of this 30-year history, um, and also photographs of a number of the U.S. Supreme Court justices that have participated actively in Seeley and Rowley projects, particularly Justice O'Connor uh, signed up uh, really at, in, at the beginning of Seeley and remained active, attending all the meetings and traveling with us you know, throughout her career. And as you mentioned, there are funny bits in this book. You know, there are, it is talking about the establishment of, um, you know, institutions. So you could think, oh, it's it's long and it's written by lawyers. Is this, is this you know, too dry? And I really don't think it is. Uh, you're, you're getting to hear from people who were on the ground in, a lot of situations where, you know, there may have been tragedy. I mean, certainly parts of this book gets into areas where there were war crimes. You know, Bosnia-Herzegovina and Kosovo were areas where there was ABA involvement in trying to reestablish institutions after after these wars. But there's also, you know, really funny bits. Were there any stories that immediately... Uh, come to mind that you learned while editing this that just you know brought joy to your heart. It's such a varied and colorful history um, in the book, particularly in in the sections dealing with what are wind up being personal reminiscences of U.S. lawyers and judges, how they participated in Rolly on the ground in various countries. We have everything ranging from sort of a Doctor Zhivago on a train. Uh, episode to uh, emergency brain surgery in Bulgaria, the bombing of the UN headquarters in Baghdad, the transformation of a communist ballet school in Prague, to the examination at Fort Dix of war crimes in Kosovo, women's rights reforms in the Central African Republic. Such a range of stories and how passionate um, the participants were about the value they have assigned to this in their careers, how um, being a a, a Rowley or Seeley volunteer somewhere really shaped their career was was what they thought about most often and were most proud of. One of my favorite chapter titles is uh, by Theresa Kennedy, who visited Kazakhstan in 1998 uh, as part of her volunteer series. And the, the title is You Can't Get There From Here, how a Southern Bell lawyer landed in Kazakhstan. And, you know, it's it's reminiscences like that, which are really a joy to, you know, read through and hear, as you said, you know, this, it doesn't sound like you saw human rights law as the central to your career at first, but getting involved in these projects has been so impactful for the people who who did become involved. So I, I would love to hear from you if you are able to reach any of my listeners out there who have thought to themselves, you know what, I don't I don't know what expertise I could bring to this, but I, I am passionate about the rule of law and trying to ensure access to justice internationally. Should I should I volunteer? Should I get involved? Make your pitch to them now. Why should they? Again, I think it will will change your life. That, that sounds like an overstatement, but I just came back yesterday from a rule of law project, a Roley project in Zambia. And while it took 30 hours door to door to get back to New York from 
Lusaka, the experience was was really an overwhelming one. We were working on a legislative drafting uh, program for younger lawyers in Zambia, and to see how dedicated they were to these issues, to be improving uh, the legal system in Zambia was was inspiring. I'm afraid I don't have any good photographs from that that have de- developed yet, but I, um, to be that involved in a in a legal system that is transforming itself and to see the aspirations of the people involved uh, really is stirring it. So there are many opportunities really around the globe for lawyers and judges in the U.S. to participate. It, it can be on a short-term basis, uh, a week like this Zambian venture that I was just on, or for a longer period of time, uh, or uh, many of the projects uh, can be done from the United States, communicating with lawyers in, in, in other countries to develop a constitution in some cases, to develop legislation. There will be some aspect of it that will fit with what, you know, any lawyer does, ranging from bankruptcy issues to women's rights to almost anything you can think of. So whatever your expertise, there is a way that uh, Rowley can make use of that experience. And while uh, language capacity helps in some cases, it's not required. One of my failings as a lawyer is that I never picked up a foreign language. Fortunately, uh, Zambians uh, speak English. That certainly is, is helpful. So we have spoken about the volunteers, but around the world, there is staff in offices that the ABA is in contact with, mostly, I would say, from our Washington, D.C. offices. And, you know, I work for the ABA Journal, which is the ABA's independent magazine, um, and we certainly report some of the things that Rolly is up to at any any given time, but there are many delicate and sensitive situations as well where the people who are working in these often unstable areas could be put at risk if too much was talked about, say, in the moment, or diplomatic efforts that could be endangered and staff members who could be endangered if things are known in real time. And that's one of the reasons why I think this book, Building the Rule of Law, Firsthand Accounts from a 30-Year Global Campaign, is so important, is that there are now many stories that can be told, which maybe were not safe to tell uh, at the time they were happening. And it can give people a glimpse at what is possible. So I would love to hear, you know, were there things that you were unaware that the ABA was doing before you read Building the Rule of Law? And by read, I mean compiled, because you were an editor. Well, having served as as, uh, ABA president, I had a chance to be in touch with most of the aspects of what the ABA was doing. But I think we've learned along the way how to protect our people who are based abroad or who are traveling on a rolly project. We've developed early warning systems, uh, and we have a staff devoted to protecting our our people. 
So th- that, that has been a development that I think has made us all more comfortable over time. I guess there are still dangers. The current situation in Sudan is, is one of them, uh, where Americans and other nationals are, are being uh, pulled out of Sudan. We're not actively, um, we don't have people on the ground there now, but there are situations like that uh, going on uh, around the world where people need to be careful about what they say and when they say it, both here and on the ground uh, abroad. We're going to be taking another break to hear from advertisers, but we will return with Jim Silkenet to talk about building the rule of law, first-hand accounts from a 30-year global campaign. Welcome back to the Modern Law Library. So, Jim, this obviously, as we said, more than 500 pages, hundreds of photographs, this was not a small lift of a project. Can you give us an idea of timeline? How long did it take for you all to put together uh, this book? The timing of it was unusual. This was really during COVID that all of this took place. So in a way that gave us an opportunity to spend more time on it, uh, you know, from home or or other uh, locations. The, the, The biggest headache was the number of people who wanted to participate. That's a good headache to have. There were so many volunteers who uh, felt it important to tell their story that we were able to pick and choose and, and then edit the, the, the chapters we received in a way that we think tells a, a, tells a good story uh, that will engage your, almost any reader. And this book came out in 2021, which historically uh, was a very difficult time for books to get publicity. So I am actually thrilled that we are getting to talk about this book. One of the things that made this timing so ideal is you and I are speaking on April 25th, 2023. And when this comes out, uh, we will be most likely in the week or week after Law Day, which traditionally It falls on May 1st, but I would say Law Day activities uh, take place the week before, the week after, sort of all around this area. You were an ABA president in 2013 to 2014. I would love to hear from you about the importance of Law Day when it comes to making people aware of rule of law uh, issues within the United States. This tradition started with ABA President Charlie Ryan back in the in the 1950s. He had previously also been a chair of the ABA International Law Section, and he came up with an idea to celebrate law on May 1st and persuaded, I guess it was President Eisenhower at the time, to promote this idea. So every year the ABA president comes up with a theme for Law Day and that's then announced by the U.S. president, and that's the the, the theme for that year adopted by uh, state and local bar associations, other groups around the country. And my theme for Law Day was Every Vote Counts. So it, it gives each ABA president a chance to bring the attention of lawyers and the country generally you know, to a, a particular set of issues that he or she thought was important. I, I'm Pleased that that tradition has continued and that Deborah Enix Ross, as the the current president of the ABA, has a very strong uh, theme for uh, rule of law this year. 
Yes, Deborah Enix Ross's uh, three C's, which she has has talked about a lot in her um, term as president. And those those three C's are civics, civility, and collaboration. And that is the theme for this year's Law Day. So, Jim, we've talked about why someone might want to get involved. How can someone get involved? Uh, I would love to hear from you if there are listeners out there who now are like, yeah, First of all, obviously, I want to pick up a copy of Building the Rule of Law. Uh, and second of all, I want to get more involved in the global initiatives that the ABA is, is involved in. Where could they go? Great question. Uh, the book is available for purchase in both digital and, and physical formats, uh, and it's available on the ABA website or by calling one 800 285 Two one, uh, there is a substantial discount available for ABA members, and I encourage uh, our, our listeners to buy multiple copies. In terms of becoming active in the work of Rowley now, uh, which is, as I said, led by Justice Breyer, go to the, the um, Rowley website or contact me directly. I, I'd be happy to, to, to serve as a liaison for folks uh, to become involved in in Rowley's ongoing activities. This is a chance, I think, for, for folks, no, no matter what their area of practice, uh, to reach out and, and share their knowledge, share their experience with lawyers in another country and really make a difference in how the rule of law develops and is implemented. Like you said, with uh, areas of expertise, I think you know we have discussed human rights issues, but that is not the only area in which the ABA works with developing countries. One thing I found really interesting was how important it was to have experts in various business law or corporate law, helping people establish those kinds of systems in, say, an underdeveloped region uh, who needs to set up accountability systems for, you know, maybe newly capitalist uh, societies or, you know, there's just a whole range of areas in which expertise on a variety of laws is needed. So what would your contact information be if people want to reach out directly to you? Sure. My email address is jrsilkenat, S-I-L-K-E-N-A-T at gmail.com. Um, and there really is a chance here to, uh, for folks to um, make a difference in, in other countries. One of the things we're really proud of with this book is that it was nominated for um, the Arthur Ross Book Award at the Council on Foreign Relations for the, the, uh, one of the best books on foreign policy last year. We didn't win, but it was an honor to be included with the, the books, um, other books that were nominated for the prize. And, and it's given us uh, an even broader audience for the stories that we tell in the book. And what has the response to the book been from various folks in the international relations space? You know, often we're speaking to authors whose book has only just come out, but you guys have had a little bit of time. In addition to being nominated for this award, you know, have you, have you heard directly from readers about their experience uh, reading the book or, or ways that it touched them? Again, it's it's folks commenting on the range of stories that are told, the, the funny ones, the, the dangerous ones, the ones that really have an impact on a particular country. What we'd like to find a way to do is 
if there is a second volume of this, to reach out more than we were able to this time to the government leaders in the countries where Seeley and Rowley operated, who are now many of them, you know, senior officials, in some cases heading governments, to see what their experience has been with what they learned from Seeley and Rowley and how uh, that has impacted uh, their countries. Well, Jim, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Modern Law Library. And thank you to my listeners. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe in your favorite podcast listening service. And as always, you can reach out to me at books at abajournal.com. <laughs>